I find like too often we focus on the 666. We focus on like the, the product of our patterns rather than actually choosing to address our patterns, right? And we somehow think that we can pray away the 666 or whatever, right? And without being willing to actually like say, oh, maybe it's the patterns in my life that actually led me, you know, sure. to that, right? Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of courageous individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to OurCollectiveJourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Darkness to Life and Our Collective Journey podcast here in the Plugged In Media Network studio. Um, today you got me, Rick Armstrong, my good friend Ryan Oscar. Hello. And a very unique guest for us here today, Pastor Dave. Dave, would you mind introducing yourself and giving a little bit of background? Yeah, uh, Pastor Dave. I guess you can. You could just call me Dave. That's cool too. <laughs> uh, I, uh, my wife and I, pastor Bridge Church down in Riverside. We've been uh, in the lead role for about seven years now, and uh, we've been in. I guess you can call full time ministry th- since uh, two thousand and uh, and two. Background working at kids camp and then uh, youth ministry and then eventually into the lead role in uh, 2014 so awesome yeah cool so have you always like have you always known that this was your calling or is this something you've stumbled upon like i've I've always been curious about that i remember i remember one time when i was in a pretty dark place calling the archdiocese of edmonton and asking to talk to the worst priest they had <laughs> <laughs> Define worst priest. Well, exactly. That's where my mind went. There was a lot of questions about that. (laughs) What boxes do you have to check for that? (laughs) Yeah. And and what I was trying to say is, you know, I don't need, I didn't want to speak to somebody who had 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 the calling from childhood or brought up in the church. I wanted somebody who found it as out of necessity later in life. Right. And, and they struggled immensely and they actually never did get back to me. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I'm just kind of curious, you know, were, were you, was this something that you knew from right away or did you find yourself into this um no honestly i i remember as a kid i wanted to be an electrician (laughs) and uh and so i just kind of you know taught myself a bit of that but i started attending a church in uh in red deer and just started serving and helping and uh anyhow then just people started saying hey you know you think you'd be a great youth pastor and you know anyhow uh i went into i got invited to go and uh, work at a kids camp, as I mentioned, Eagles Nest Ranch, south of Medicine nice. Hat here. And uh, I spent about seven years there. And then I just got asked to take over the youth uh, at Bridge Church. And and then I got asked to be associate. And then I got asked to be lead. So I don't, I mean, that's a, that's a kind of a tough question, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, I do. I know that, you know, I am called to this. Um, but it's not like I received like this, like, you know, like this the burning bush moment. Yeah. Or like the <laughs> rays from heaven and, you know, yeah. the, the hallelujah kind of moment, you yeah. know? Um, but, uh, I've all, honestly, I've always lived by this statement is the, the best leaders are the ones that are asked to lead, mm-hmm. not the ones that ask to lead, you know? And, uh, and, and a part of the reason I say that is cause I've never, honestly, I've never like 
I want to do that. I want to mm-hmm. do that. I want to do that. It was, you know, and I'm not saying I'm a tremendous leader. I'm just saying that, you know, to be honest, I've got like massive shortcomings <laughs> as a leader, but, um, you know, I think that's, maybe that's answering your question is like, I guess I was called by the, <laughs> the people that had the authority to mm-hmm. give that title or to give that, uh, that job. But yeah. So when I think what you just said there about having massive shortcomings, that whole accountability piece, that's, I think in my experience with working for people or working alongside people, <clears throat> when they are accountable and acknowledge their shortcomings and open to working on them, that's a huge piece to being a good leader. I think so many people I know that are in leadership roles will not look at that piece. It's like, do as I do and I'll tell you what to do, but don't ever look behind the curtain type thing. Right. And those yeah. are the kind of leaders that, and I don't like to, to be associated <laughs> to them too yeah. often. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's huge, man. Yeah. Well, and I haven't always stated that. That's, that's actually a big, uh, I would say in my past, a big thing of my shortcomings was yeah. being that type of person of just like, it's my way and, you Me know, too. I'm going <laughs> and, you know, and you better follow and, you uh-huh. know, and it's led to honestly, like probably a lot of the reason why I'm here with you guys today. <laughs> right. <clears throat> you know, and just struggles and whatnot. And Absolutely. So, but uh, yeah. Very cool. So just before we hit record, you were kind of asking why you're here, right? Why we invited you. And so I think, you know, that's just it is, is a bit of perspective. We've, we've talked with a lot of professionals and a lot of uh, people with lived experience and, and we constantly reference how, you know, especially in this, I guess it's not limited to addiction and substance use, Mm -hmm. but just the human condition, right? It's this uh, spiritual void that people tend to have. And Mm -hmm. whether that manifests as a lack of community or lack of spiritual connection to whatever, whatever your definition of a higher power would be, whether it is, you know, a a God or a very Christian God or, Mm -hmm. or Buddha or, you know, anything, right? I think everybody needs to be connected to something, believe in something or you'll, how's it go? Stand for something or you'll fall for anything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I think that's it. It's just a bit of perspective here, right? Um, we've, we've tended to always <clears throat> address this spiritual condition and spiritual fitness, and we haven't really had the opportunity to talk to somebody that probably knows more about that than most. <laughs> Not to put you on a pedestal and yeah, say that you're right. any ultimate authority on anything, yeah. but uh, at, at the very le- least, probably more educated on the matter than the rest of us. Sure. <laughs> I love it. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not an educated, uh, pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly, I have not done any like Bible college or schooling or anything of that sort. Uh, you know, I think it's honest, it's kind of, it's in, the, it's in your name, right? The, our collective journey, right? Is like, it's just, that's just the journey that I've been on, yeah. you know, of, I guess, realizing the need you know, for that higher power. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, obviously in my case and, you know, and I'm sure even many of your listeners, um, you know, my higher power is Jesus. Right. And, and understanding that, uh, you know, the gift that he paid and, you know, and kind of basically him, you know, you use that kind of, what was the term you use? The spiritual, spiritual malady, mal- that emptiness. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and for me, um, you know, no amount of like, you know, work I can do, no amount of, you know, good I can do kind of fills that. Mm-hmm. It's recognizing that I need, I need that hole in my life, I guess, filled. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and for me, it's recognizing Jesus as that higher power, you know? And so I don't know, to be honest, Rick, I don't know if I have like all the, you know, the answers in terms of like that end of stuff. Um, 
but it just be simply just my own experiences of how, you know, when I was empty, when yeah. I was down, when I was depressed, right. Is recognizing, you know, who actually could lift me out of that. Right. Along with other people too. Right. But totally. yeah. So. Oh yeah. That's amazing. And like we talk about all the time, that spiritual void, that malady we've been in recovery, right. And going through active addiction, we, and I know Rick's story as well as my own, and we tried to fill it with everything, right. whether it was material stuff, whether it was sex, gambling, drugs, yeah. rock and roll, whatever it was. Yeah. And all of it worked for, you know, very small periods of time until it stopped working. And then you just move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I did that for 30 years. Yeah. Trying to fill that void. Yeah. Well, it's temporal. Right? Yeah. I mean, with the exception, it's funny how we put <laughs> rock and roll in that statement all the time. <laughs> like, drugs are bad. Rock and roll. I don't know about that. <laughs> But it's, it's so true, right? Is how, you know, because of that emptiness, you know, whether we'd like to admit it or not, we're always looking to fill it, mm -hmm. whether we would admit that, you know, we're filling it with drugs or, you know, even in my, in my past, right. Filling that with porn, yeah. you know, and, uh, and just <clears throat> it feeling empty. And, and it's funny because we, we assume by filling it, we're like, we're like meeting the appetite or feeding the yeah. appetite, you know? But it's like the thing with appetite is it doesn't matter if you feed it. It just means that it grows. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And so it's and just it this hungrier. step and step further into, you know, whatever it was. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's I mean, what, uh, like we talk on this podcast quite a bit about the author and the doctor Gabor Monte, and that's the title of his book in the realm of the hungry ghost. And the hungry ghost mm. is that spiritual void. It's always hungry and it's yep. always there and you can't put your finger on it. Yeah. But the more you feed it, the hungrier it gets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a wild concept but it makes so much sense now yeah now that you yeah exactly right it's kind of being on the other end of it you For can sure. recognize right but it's in the midst of it that yeah. it's like uh yeah like rick you were saying before you know we hit record here it's like you know you were saying how um i'm drawing a blank here but what were you telling me before we hit record? <laughs> I don't know. Dave right. was giving a shit that we weren't <laughs> recorded. Blame Dave. He's not in the room. <laughs> sorry, Dave. <clears throat> yeah, sorry. Totally no. thought just gone. No worries. Um, you know, we've interviewed and, or not interviewed, but had these conversations with people and even in our regular lives with people in recovery and especially in the 12 step groups, um, so many people, we, we recognize this all the time. So many people go back out before they do their step four, which is their thorough moral inventory of themselves. So, you know, step one, two, and three, that whole spiritual piece that we discuss is, you know, t recognizing you got a problem, being willing to believe in a higher power, something else is going to guide you through this, mm -hmm. and then being willing to turn your will and your life over to it. And in my experience, I find so many people breeze through steps one, two, and three, and that I firmly believe that's why a lot of people go back out at step four because now it's time to get down to the real dirty work right and they don't have that spiritual connection from one two and three you know it's easy to say the words i believe there's something out there but I, to actually feel it yeah that's exactly where i, where I was kind of thinking it is i see people drop out at step four mm -hmm. of, of the 12 step process where it is okay now you got to start being honest with yourself and mm -hmm. having a real conversation looking at your role and who mm -hmm. you are the unique thing about the 12 step process is it's written in a very specific order. Yeah. Right. And, mm. usually, and they're numbered. Yeah. And usually when people drop out of on step four, it's because they never really did step one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and they've never really gone, okay, I don't got this on my own. Right. Right. Cause that ego is, man, ego is like the, 
it's, it's, it's the deeper I get into helping other people and supporting people and understanding 12 step and understanding life for that matter. Ego is just this amazing and terrifying and horrible and wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's got the ability to convince you of so many falsehoods that mm -hmm. it's, it's unbelievable. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and restless, irritable, and discontent, right? Those are the three words that define untreated addiction or alcoholism, irritable, restless, discontent. You know, we've said it thousands of times, drugs and alcohol were not my problem. They were my solution. Hmm. You remove my solution from me. I could stop drinking and drugging. But the condition I was left with then was restless, yeah. irritable, discontent. Yeah. I don't know why I'm not comfortable, but I'm not comfortable. I get really, really angry really, really quickly because I'm uncomfortable mm -hmm. and just discontent. Like I'm just not good. I, do, I don't, I don't even know why I'm just not good. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until I conceded back to step one that this isn't a me problem. This isn't going to be a me solution. Right. <clears throat> And I had a guy tell me, and it was one of the, something that kicked around in my brain forever, right? Is I struggling, like, cause I, I still struggle with the God concept, mm -hmm. you know, even as far into this program as I am, I've conceded to the higher power part, hundred yeah. percent. Right. Yeah. But you know, to, you know, the faith in Jesus Christ, I, mm -hmm. I struggle with that. I'm, I, I'm miles away from that. Like right. you know, we went out and had a coffee did, yeah. and, I, and yeah, I was yeah. like going, okay. <laughs> Am I missing something? Like, cause I'd really like to believe and I just am not there yet. Not yeah. to say that I won't get there. Maybe, I don't know. I have no idea, right. but, yeah. um, is I had somebody tell me, okay, if you think that you got this, let's do a quick demonstration. You go find the nearest coast in our case, the Pacific coast, you wander out into that ocean, you hold your hands out and you tell out those waves to stop. Yeah. If they stop, okay, you're good. You don't need to hire power. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's a great story. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that's not going to happen. He goes, yeah, yeah. Then, then there's probably something out there bigger than you. Wow. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's like, oh, okay. Fair enough. I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm cool. not, uh, I'm not my own higher power. Just, yeah. Um, yeah. But it brings me back to that, you know, restless, irritable discontent. That's that spiritual malady, right? That's that void that we're trying mm -hmm. to fill. And <clears throat> For so long, you know, we, tr we tried to fill that with nonsense, toxic, terrible things mm -hmm. that just let us further, further down a road that ultimately, you know, for, for guys like me and Ryan led us to this spot of ultimately suicide, right? Mm -hmm. is, right. Is that was the, the only <clears throat> outlet. For sure. And, uh, and it wasn't until we conceded, I think really, truly, and we see it all the time with, with people coming through the 12 step process is, is whenever I see him get to number four and, and start stalling out, mm -hmm. we need to go back to one. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and build yeah. that spiritual connection. Yeah. And, and to be real with you, I mean, you know, like just as you're sharing there and uh, the waves and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, I'm honestly, I'm just thinking of my own story, right. In terms of, you know, like, you know, like obviously very different than your story, Rick and, and Rob and, you know, and, and others that I've met too. And, you know, Damo and, you know, but, in actuality, it's, it's very similar in a sense, you know, for me, because, you know, if you can't picture this, but like making a fist, right. Is like that step one is, is essentially just opening your hand. Yeah. Right. And saying, you know, it like, regardless of whatever higher power that you would kind of like, you know, use the word concede to, I think it's more of a, just in a sense of just me saying, I don't, 
I don't have this. Yeah. I, I'm not capable, you know, and, and that's where obviously the ego thing comes in. But, you know, in my life in the past, you know, three years or whatever, I've literally, I felt actually at sometimes God was like kind of <laughs> prying my hands open. Like yeah. Dave, you know, like, Hey, I can do so much better with your life. If you just, if you just open up. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and so I don't find it surprising that step four is kind of like the, the make it or break it part, mm -hmm. you know, uh, or sorry, the, the place where they do walk yep. out because <clears throat> trying to go into step four and say, deal with my stuff with a close hand, you're not going to get very far. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, no, no, that's too uncomfortable or, you know, or even just willing to admit that, you know, I have a problem or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So, you know, for me, I, I'm just saying like, you know, that's very similar in a sense, although obviously very different stories, but the crux of it is, you know, for too many years, I tried to lead my church with a closed hand. I tried to lead with just like, you know, I've got this, yeah. you know? And I mean, I, it's interesting because I had people like, like encouraging me, not necessarily to keep my hand closed, but encourage me and saying, Hey Dave, just lead, just go, just like, let's, let's move forward as a church. Right. And so I misinterpreted that as like, you know, I'm going to keep my hand closed. Right. Or I'm going to just think that, yeah, I've, I've got this and I'm going to, you know, I'm the one that's going to, you know, kind of bring us mm -hmm. to the next level or whatever. Right. So, but it was opening. It's that very same, very same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And I always find with, um, you know, step one, two, and three is that surrender piece. Like we just talked about conceit to it, um, the spiritual piece. And it's also brings into that, which was so foreign to me early on, especially in active addiction is that humility and being humble. Mm -hmm. And, and that for me, that's the counter to the ego pieces. Let's turn this I into we, and let's figure this yeah. out. And, and when I turned it into we initially, it was, you know, myself and the higher power. I, I was like Rick early on. I had no idea what this was. But I knew I tried every other way on my own and I could not figure this yeah, out. Yeah. So I'm like, what is, what do I have to lose? Right? Like all I have to do is be willing to believe in a power greater than myself. So when I became willing, oh my gosh, things started to happen. Things really cool, you know, really cool things started to cross my path. And early on in my recovery, we've talked about this, these things started to show up. I would pray and then I would listen. And then these things, you know, it might be a day or a week or whatever, but these things started to show up. And if I was present, I wasn't missing them anymore. I was catching these things. And then it was like this aha moment where I was like, holy smokes, how did this happen? And it was such a shock to me. Mm. Whereas over the course of the last six years, I've spoke about this before that these things, as long as I keep doing what got me to today, these things keep happening and they don't surprise me anymore. I don't expect them anymore, but they don't shock me when these things come into my life, these gifts anymore. And I firmly believe that it's that whole spiritual piece that I connected early on. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, it's so huge. You know, in my I life. think, I think far too often we, <clears throat> we have like uh, I, I've used this in a, in a message in church before, right. Is I would use a whiteboard and I draw like uh, 333 times two and then, you know, equals and I, just cause it's church, I yeah. equals 666, which many people would, Oh, that's the, you know, the mark yeah, yeah. of the beast number or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, but I find like too often we focus on the 666. We focus on like the, the product of our patterns rather than actually choosing to address our patterns. Right. And we somehow think that we can pray away the problem, pray away the 666 or whatever. Right. And without being willing to actually like say, 
oh, maybe it's the patterns in my life that mm-hmm. actually led me you know, <clears throat> For sure. to that, right? And, and it's just, you know, you mentioned prayer, right? And rather than like, you know, like, oh God, like take away this addiction. And he's like, okay, let's, let's figure out what's leading to this. Yeah. Or let's figure out what's leading to your emptiness or your <clears throat> depression or your anxiety or, you know. For sure. And, uh, and I think, you know, it's interesting because you're talking about like the, Rick, the, uh, like the spirituality of it. Right. And, you know, when you can see to higher power, it's not necessarily like, God, you can take this away. Right. Because I, I mean, for sure he can. I mean, I've heard stories of people being instantly, mm-hmm. you know, re- re- released from even being like, like as high as a kite and just praying and having a gun in their hand and, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden just boom, they're sober <clears throat> and the addiction's gone. Like, I know that can happen, but I think more importantly, our, our prayers or, you know, or even confessions or, you know, concede, it should be more focused on like, God reveal to me or higher power or whatever, reveal to me what I can actually do or make change yeah. in my life, you know, like. I mean, I, that's, again, that was for me. I wasn't like, God, open my hand. He's like, well, you got you to gotta open it. Yeah. You got to, you know, you have to make change. You got to change the pattern that is led to the problem that you're in, right? So, you know. What I found really interesting about the 12-step process is when, <clears throat> when you got to step three, it's uh, make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand it. Mm-hmm. So, to a guy like me who was brought up in a church that I, I really struggled with the institution and the politics behind that institution. Mm-hmm. And it eventually pushed me out. Um, and, and honestly, you know, looking back, I don't know if I ever truly believed or accepted it. I was just there as, mm-hmm. because that's where I was brought up. Right. Um, so it was, it was, it was really tough for me to get through step three making a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. Because one, like the word God just made me uncomfortable, honestly. Yeah. Like it, it just made me really uncomfortable because it brought back so many emotions For and sure. so many thoughts and so many things that I didn't disagree with. And I'm like, I'm not going to turn my life. I, I'm not giving up control of me to this thing that I don't really understand or particularly like at this point in my life. And uh, again, through good sponsorship, it was explained to me, you know, we break it down, break that down word by word. You know, you've made a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God. It doesn't mean you have. You've made a decision to be willing to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, if the analogy there was like, if you, if you decide that you're going to go on a trip to Italy, are you in Italy? Nope. You've just right. made a decision to work towards it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was just like, uh, he goes, you know, be skeptical. Just do it anyway. Open your eyes, be willing, and you might be surprised at the results, right? Mm-hmm. And it it very gently allowed me to get to a place that I'm like, okay, maybe I can't do this and, and and not get bogged down on the word God for me, right? It was like, okay, I know for a fact me being in control of my life has not worked out so well. Yeah. <laughs> I've made all of my decisions for me in the best way that I thought I could, and it's led me to the spot that I want to take my life. Right. So it was kind of a relief at the same token to be like, okay, I don't need to run my life anymore. I just need to be open and willing to like, yeah, do the next right thing, whatever is presented to me. Yeah. Right. And, uh, 
yeah, that word God, man, it, it messes with a lot of people in this program. And, uh, we've got some means, like, I, I know I work with a lot of new people and typically I, I give them a list of, you know, I get them to write a list of all of the things that, all of the reasons that they have to get better, to, to stay clean. And I go, okay, you know, let's just label this list God now. You know, and it'll be like kids, family, love. And usually what it comes down to is love, mm-hmm. right? Is like, usually when you start breaking down what's mm-hmm. on that list, it's all things you love or love you. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like, okay, so if you're uncomfortable with the word God, let's just replace that with love. And it's like, oh, okay, now this is manageable. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting to me that how, how tied up we get in our own head just on the words, right? Mm-hmm. And the, and I, I say ignorance, but I don't mean that negatively. I just mean it not knowing any better. Right. 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 And, and how you, all it takes is just a little bit of willingness. And, and I remember sitting in, in your church that one day, um, we, I had a couple friends get baptized in your church and, yep. I, and it, they asked me to attend and I did to support them. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm into this, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, all the talk about community and support and helping yep. each other. And I'm like, I'm, I'm totally into this. I'm like, I can, maybe this isn't like the church that I was brought up in. Maybe I can totally get into this. And it, and it was just that willingness, right? Like, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not there, but I'm like, okay. You know, I've, I've conceded that I don't know. And, right. and, and I haven't like drawn a line to sound and go like, nope, I am not going to ever go to that church. It's like, maybe, maybe I'll get there. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. cool if I do. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, like I know Ryan's got a story about when he found the church, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm still waiting on my moment like that, but maybe you can share on that a little bit. Yeah, well, for me, um, like I said earlier, you know, the higher power in my recovery, I attempted to get into recovery one other time and I just breezed through the steps, didn't really buy into him. Wrong wrong place, wrong time, doing it for all the wrong reasons. So it didn't, obviously didn't work. Um, next time I had nothing left to lose, right? So I thought, why not be willing to try all this stuff? Because what's the worst that can happen? I can always go back out later on if it doesn't work for me. <laughs> and so I, you know, that whole step one, two, and three and the connection to spirituality and the higher power, I could believe in that. And for me at the start, it was the universe. It was connection to people, but it was the universe and, and it was a lot of nature and stuff like that. Right. Um, and that got me through my first four years. I, I could buy into it. I could pray to it. I didn't have to see it. I didn't have to put a, a face to it. And then my girlfriend, her folks came to town. They live in the in the States. They came to town and that was, uh, I believe, two Novembers ago. And we went to church. We went to uh, one of the churches in town and I was listening to the pastor and, and I could really start to make these connections from what he was saying to the concepts and the traditions and the, and the principles of the program that I'm in, the 12 step program. And I thought, man, this is really cool. The connections I'm making here today at church, the last place I ever thought I would make these connections. And it, I I can't honestly say I remember exactly what he was talking about that day, but the concepts were the same and talking about how Jesus helped, you know, the people in the fringes and the, and the down and outs and the vulnerable people. And I thought, man, that's kind of what we're doing today. And, and, you know, fast forward, they went back to the States and I said, I'd like to come next weekend. Like, let's come back next weekend because I want to hear more about this. So we went back, amazing experience. And it was the third weekend when the light bulb came on for me. So this is two years ago, four years into my recovery. When it just hit me, I was sitting in the pew and I remember thinking, man, it's been God with me the whole time. 
I just wasn't ready to recognize it until this moment today. And, uh, you know, I didn't have the, the huge, you know, weight lifted off my shoulders and all these things that I've heard other people when they talk about the spiritual awakenings that they've had in recovery. And, but I just had this calming, this peace come over me. And I'm like, man, I'm not alone anymore. I know this feeling. I've had it for four years prior to this, but now I actually have something well, I don't want to say tangible, but something I can believe in and I know the concepts behind it. Now I can start doing the work, you know, that the gospel talks about and, and the book and on my own, because I want to do it and I want to learn more about it now. And it's not, you know, maybe the first 40 years of my life, I had no intentions of ever being that person. And, uh, you know, today it's not like I'm preaching the word. I'm not going out. I'm not standing on a pedestal saying this stuff. But for me and my experience, this has been amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the last two years have just been. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the gifts that have come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, well, first <laughs> I called you Rob oh, <laughs> earlier. That's it's Ryan. Um, but it, it, you know, <clears throat> I think the 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 cool thing on your story there, right? And and I think this is a, a a massive like misconception, right? And and honestly, you know, Rick, like you're saying, like I have a problem with the word God, right? Is you know, for you, Ryan, it was that connection that mm-hmm. you had, right? And it wasn't necessarily, I'm going to go out on a limb. I mean, it could have been something that somebody said or whatever, yeah. but it was, I think, just that moment of realization, right? And, uh, and you know, and honestly, Rick, I think, uh, honestly, I think a lot of people have problem with, like, God or big G, capital G God, you yeah. know, um, because <laughs> of their perception that uh, has been given to them by the church. Right. Right. Uh, whether it's church hurt. I mean, honestly, even in my life, I know, I know that I've on it and it grieves me that because of my like poor leadership or my shortcomings or my closed hand, like me, my way, you know, I know that I've given people a negative sense of who God is. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and I think, you know, just, you know, if I can encourage you, Ray, uh, you know, probably I'm going to assume like a big reason why it's like, got an issue with God is because of somebody else's um, experience with God that they've shown you. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think that Ryan, that's, you know, going back for you, it was like, honestly, like I kind of just picture that moment of like, that was between you and God. It had nothing to do with where you were or the church or who are you sitting with or who was speaking or who was singing or whatever. Right. It was like that personal you know, kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think just, you know, far too often the church, the institution, which ironically is never like in scripture, <laughs> that was never the model of the church. Right? right. It was like the original word was ecclesia, which was like a movement, right. Similar to our collective journey. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that you guys are starting a movement towards like helping people. Right. And that's essentially what the church was, but you know, due to, translation and you know people getting burned at the stake or whatever and you know the word church is what we have now and our perception is like the the building or the institution or all the negative stuff or you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so anyhow because i'm i'm the same as you ryan is like you know my my admittance my you know um concession to a higher power is because of that personal kind of i guess epiphany if you want to call it that you know so I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm just yeah. <clears throat> maybe still waiting on mine. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I'm also getting to a point too that I'm. I recognize that maybe maybe I'm not listening as maybe I'm not as quiet as I need to be to right. to hear that right because yeah. I, you know, we took 
kind of the trait of, of an addict. <laughs> yeah. We've got busy minds, right? <laughs> well, you said restlessness, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, right. And it's it's just getting quiet enough because you know, a big part of this program too is is prayer and meditation. Actually, I don't know if you're familiar with the prayers, but we should get them to you. You'd, yeah. Step three and seven prayers, I'm sure would you'd find interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, prayer, the way it was explained to me, prayer is talking to God, meditating mm-hmm. is listening, right? And it... And I struggle, like I, I struggle with meditation. Uh, you know, I will, as much as I bang the 12 step drum, I will be the mm-hmm. first one to admit, I do not meditate. I try, mm-hmm. I've tried consistently and I, you know, I'll get into this, you know, and I get it, right? It's like <laughs> the thought comes in, I'm supposed to acknowledge the thought and let it pass and get back to my headspace. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I just can't, I, I can't do it. And, <laughs> And I've struggled with it and I struggle with it. And I'm frankly, I'm jealous of people that can, cause like, I'd love some peace in my mind. Right. right? And, uh, maybe that's just it. Maybe I just haven't got to that spot yet that I can get quiet enough. And maybe it'll come, maybe it won't, but you know, I'm the difference now is I think I'm willing. Yeah. Right. And whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it'll, I, I know for a fact, my life left to me is not, it doesn't go the way it, it, it isn't optimal. I guess is the best way (laughs) to put it. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's something that you starts with willingness, no different than the, than this program. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and the community of it, like the first word and the first step of 12 step is we, right. There's no I in this. It's we, right. Yeah. We is the first word and the first step. So it's, it's finding your community. And whether that's in, in the, in, I'm using air quotes, the yeah, institution yeah. of the yeah. church, right. Yeah. Or in the fellowship of a 12 step program, mm-hmm. or even if it just, you know, picking up the phone and calling somebody that you're having a shitty day and you need yeah. to talk yeah. to somebody, yeah, yeah. right. It's, yeah. it's just having, well, we were talking about it, you know, when you first came in, you know, what, what are we doing with OCJ? And the whole point of it was to make sure that nobody ever feels alone, yeah. regardless of what you're going through. Right. You know, if, if we don't know. If, if we can't relate, we'll find somebody that can, and we'll try and yep. put you in contact with somebody yep. just because the isolation of being alone is, you know. It's catastrophic. Oh, human beings yeah. were not meant to be alone, right? No. So we, we need to work in community. Yeah, for sure. And what's going on in, in, you know, society today is that we're almost being forced into isolation due to COVID and due to other things, right? So put that in conjunction with all the isolating traits in addiction and oh my gosh, there's no wonder that people are tipping over right yeah. now. Right. And their mental yeah. health is going through the roof and, you know, mental wellness, everybody's got mental health. Everyone's got mental wellness, but you know, that one in five stat that gets thrown around a lot is that's specific to mental illness. And that's increasing astronomically, I believe, because there is a lot of, you know, maybe guys like us had good mental health a year and a half ago, but it's, you know, what has been going on for this last year is if impacting everybody. So, I mean, it's slowly turning from mental wellness to mental illness for sure. For a lot of people. And I'm not it, sure I've ever had mental wellness. No, no, <laughs> maybe <laughs> bouts of it. <laughs> the pursuit of maybe. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But yeah, what we were talking about earlier and I liked what you talked about, um, was, you know, finding, and we talk about this all the time in the 12 step, finding the cause of these issues, right? It's not, in recovery and in, in what Rick and I have been through, it's not the drugs and the alcohol. We talked about that. We're the problem. It wasn't the drugs and the alcohol. That was the solution, right? So mm-hmm. 
going back and digging through some of that stuff, what caused all this? Where does that pain come from? What are we hiding from? What are we running from type thing? Um, that's where step four comes in, right? It's not a, so many people go, we talked about this before, the step four, people go back out all the time. And I think it's the way it's presented to a lot of people as well. They've missed the first spiritual piece and now they're tackling step four. And a lot of people look at it as a, as a place to really beat themselves up. All look at all the crap that I've done and they're not recognizing you know, for me, I'll speak from my experience. When I sat down with the right person who had some lived experience, who also had a little bit of education, but mostly 12 step stuff, they helped me dig through all that stuff, separate the crap I'd been carrying for, you know, 20 years. That wasn't mine to carry. That's somebody else's guilt and somebody else's actions, but I just packed through it in the backpack. I'm going to carry this too. But he helped me dig through all that stuff and find the root causes of what that was. And those go back 25, 30 years, right? And that's that was the beneficial piece of looking at step four. And that's that thorough moral inventory is we're not here to beat the shit out of ourselves. We're here to actually find out what the root causes of these things are. Mm-hmm. And then we can start doing some real work. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. W- what you were saying earlier about, you know, looking behind the curtain and, and finding all these behaviors that led to this stuff is. Yeah. That's a big piece to it. No, it, it absolutely is. It's, um, it, you know, I, as you're sharing, I'm just kind of thinking like, you know, that step four. And again, I'm, I'm not super familiar with the, uh, the 12 steps mm-hmm. other than, uh, you know, Rick, you're before, <clears throat> before we started recording your kind of summation into the three and, and how, you know, it's like, just refresh my memory. So it's like, admit there's a God. So build a, build a connection, a spiritual connection. Yeah clean house let's you know deal with your stuff deal with my stuff and then help others. and then help others right and and at how like literally align that is with the gospel message wow. right and uh and so you know just as as you're sharing there right is like um getting to step four without that realization and and honestly even i guess implementation mm-hmm. or like actual like acceptance uh, step four is just going to be discouraging. Yeah. Right. Because you're still, I think a lot of times you get to that step four of dealing with the stuff that's come to the surface and without understanding that you're not in control, you assume those to be, I guess, your identity rather than just things you're struggling with or, or things you're <clears throat> trying to, you know, use to cope with the issues and the, and the history and, you know, and all that. And, you know, that's why I think it's so profound that, like, as you said, the, the reason they're step one is before step 10 is because you need step one before step 10, right? Sure. And, and understanding that, you know, like my mistakes, my, my sin, my stuff, my crap, my decisions, they don't define me, mm-hmm. right? And without a realization of an and actual acceptance of step one, you're going to get to step four and you're just going to be discouraged because you're still like, you know what I mean? You're still holding on to those as like, though that's who I am and not necessarily just that's what I've done. Right. We, we've, you know, I still get those light bulb moments and we had one here a couple of weeks ago and Ryan was talking and, you know, there's a ton of like one liners and 12 step rooms and fellowships. Mm-hmm. Right. But Ryan said something that I hadn't heard before, which is, you know, surprising, not by any means am I an expert on everything, but there isn't too many things that I haven't heard come out of a 12 step meeting. Right. But he said, uh, oh shit, how'd you put it, man? Um, oh, with the guilt, guilt and shame. Yeah. Guilt. Guilt is I, 
I, I, made, I made a mistake absolutely. and shame is I am the mistake. Yeah, right? absolutely. And for yeah. me, it was, I carried, I carried a lot of guilt, right? And then at a fairly, you know, for my life, I carried mm -hmm. guilt about actions and things that I had done and people I'd wronged and, and that, that burden got so big, it just kind of became overwhelming. Like I'm never, it is who I am. Right. And mm -hmm. it, be, it started to define me. Yeah. And then it, it was in hindsight, looking back on it, right. I had, you know, one figurative domino fall over and the house cards collapsed and, and that guilt turned into shame mm -hmm. immediately. Right. It was like, nope, this is my destiny. I am just a mistake. And it went from, it was, it's terrifying how quickly that shift from guilt to shame mm -hmm. took me to suicide. Yeah. And I, I mean, days, right. It yep. went from like, I've been, I've been sad and I've been depressed and I've not really liked myself for years and years and years and mm -hmm. years, but like a snap of a finger, it turned into shame and yep. it took me to suicide really, mm -hmm. really quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's, <clears throat> it's really, really interesting that what got me out of that and well, I don't think it's interesting. I think it's, it's maybe by design. <laughs> what got me out of that is realizing that that experience had value and it was okay. You know, what am I going to do with all of this? Yeah. And it wasn't until I could put it in the service and for the betterment of somebody else. And just, even if it's as like the power of sitting across the table from somebody who is sitting in that guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And going, dude, I, I get it. I get it. Cause I've been there <clears throat> is being able to relate to somebody is a, is a gift. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I wouldn't have that gift had I not been there. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. There's a ton of things I've done in my life that I wish I could take back. Right. And I wish I could undo yep. and the pain and the hurt that I've caused pretty much everybody who's ever been good to me or cared about me or loved me or been my friend. I've hurt everybody that got close to me at some point, right? Could I undo that? It's, it's hard to say yes. Cause you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm not happy that I did that, but I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't. And finding purpose, I think that's, that's the big thing for me, right? Is I struggled in that spot until I found purpose. And whether that's, you know, maybe the purpose that you found mm -hmm. in, in your ministry or we found in what we're doing, Yeah, you know, it's, um, without purpose, I'm just floundering and, and I needed, and I needed to identify that purpose to be able to overcome the guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I honestly, it's, it's, uh, the more I hear, you know, about OCJ and the more I hear about the 12 steps, it's like, it's astounding at how, and you can, you know, forgive me for this, but how scriptural it is, right? And how, like, actually getting past ourselves, you know, like, you're talking about ego earlier, and, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's so easy to just think of me first, and, you know, and you mentioned humility earlier, you know, and purpose, and, like, it's it's literally, like it's the gospel message, right? And, and getting actually outside of ourselves for the, like Paul said this, he said that, I think it was Corinthians. He said, the comfort that you've received will now be a comfort to others. Wow. Right. And that's literally talking about like, you know, the, 
the, the freedom that, you know, Rick, that you found right from drug addiction and all that you're, you, it's not like you just, yeah, I'm, I'm better than that now. Right. It's like choosing to actually mm-hmm. say and, and understand it, that they shaped you right into who you are to be that support to others. Right. And, you know, and I, and I just, I, I think of like humility and, you know, and, you know, in my mind, humility isn't necessarily like thinking low of ourselves. It's just understanding that like Ryan, what makes you special? It's the same thing that makes me special. Right. And, you know, and just understanding that we're all, we're all in this together. Right. Yeah. And if we can, you know, honestly, I, I preach in my church. I said, you know, like there's a reason that uh, AA doesn't just, you know, have outsiders come in and be sponsors for people. No, the best sponsors are the ones that actually can relate mm-hmm. and can say, hey, I remember, I remember when that guilt turned to shame for me. Right. And this is how I was able to get past that. And I'm assuming, I'm going to guess, a big reason why you're able to get past that is because you had somebody saying, I know and I understand. Right. And, and it's just this, like, it's almost like, it's almost like a pyramid scheme, right? Like, I'm just like, I'll help you because I know you'll help others. Right. And, but I mean, honestly, that's, you know, and I'm not equating the gospel, you know, to a pyramid scheme, but it's, it's, there's a reason pyramid schemes work, right. Is because they are loosely based on that idea, right. Of like, I'm helping you because I know you'll help others. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, that's, you know, for me, that's, that's why I, submit and concede to jesus because i know that i can help others you know find freedom damien says it all the time um you know humility in this program doesn't make me think of myself less it makes me think of myself less often yeah right yeah yeah and and so i mean it's not it's not beating yourself up or you know you know crushing an ego isn't isn't beating yourself up it's just getting out of your own way it's just get yeah Right. Yeah, it's getting past thinking of ourselves. I, I, I say this, uh, the natural gravitational pull for anyone is to think of self. Mm-hmm. That's just honestly how every one of us, you know, you name it, whatever facet of life you find, your, the number one way thing is just to think of self first. And so, yeah, humility is just like Damo says, right? It's to think of ourselves less often. That's, that's genius. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just society in general. If, you know, society over the last, I don't know how many years, has just started to turn the focus in on ourselves, right? It's the keeping up with the Joneses. It's you got to, you know, do these things to get ahead. It's all about me, me, me. What can I do to better myself? And, mm-hmm. and you know, like we've talked about this with some other guests, you know, back 50, 100 years ago, it took a village to, to help people, right? Mm-hmm. And to raise kids and to do all these things. But now somehow it's like we've all put ourselves in these silos and it's all you know, look through the little windows and look at everybody else. And then, you know, I want what they have and I'm going to go get it and I'm going to better myself. So I'm Mm -hmm. the big guy on the block type mentality. And, you know, that was part of my story for so long was, you know, I, we've talked about this lots in order to be successful. I needed to, I was brought up and I was told that you get a big job, you get a fancy house, you get all these things, right. And then you'll be a success. So I had all those things and man, I wasn't happy. Like nowhere did I find that piece along the way to be fulfilled and it goes back to that void, right? So, and all those pieces I was taught to be successful were all pieces that were filling into that void and, and filling those pieces of that puzzle. Well, I'll just buy a bigger house now and I'll buy a faster car or I'll mm-hmm. buy a bigger TV. And, you know, nothing ever worked for me. And, and till I started, like Rick has mentioned before, until I started helping other people for the right reasons and not because you have something I want, so I'm going to help you in order to get something back in return. Now it's just no questions asked, right? It's, mm-hmm somebody's suffering so let's help them because 
that's the concept of the program. By helping them, it helps me in return. And I don't need anything from you, but I'm just getting that fulfillment by helping you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think maintaining that focus, it's, it's, uh, again, you know, I just think of, you know, Christianity's most famous verse, right? God so loved the world, right? Uh, John three sixteen, right? And, you know, we often put that through the context of like our like version of love or what we would kind of perceive love to be. Right. And it's like, I mean, I, I do a fair amount of weddings. Actually, I got to marry Damien and Julie actually got to nice. officiate their wedding. And, <laughs> uh, and Anyhow, it's like one of the, one of the things that I do with these couples is take them through like, what version of love do you want your marriage to be based upon? Right. And our perception of love is exactly what you're talking about. Right. Like, uh, I love you because I know you love me back. Mm -hmm. Right. And often many times I'll use that in the wedding. It's like, you know, would you say I do if you didn't know for sure if they would say I do back? Right. Right. And it's kind of like this aha moment of like, you know, but I mean, in actuality, that's, that's the version of love that we should have. Right. What for God so loved, it was like the, the word there is agape. And it's this like, like Rick, I'm going to love you regardless of you ever show me any ounce of respect or any, mm. you know, affirmation or any, you know, or, or I'm going to sponsor you regardless if you keep screwing up, if you keep messing up, if you, you know, I'm yep. going to just give myself. And I think that if we can get to that point in society and I tell these clients that I marry, I'm like, if we can like live this, I honestly think the divorce rate would go down yeah. if we can like live this as a church, like going back to, you know, like the problem with God and, you know, if we can live that as a church, there probably wouldn't be people that would say, I have a problem with God because of a bad experience with the church because the church love them mm -hmm. or just sponsors or whatever, you know, if we can get to that point of like loving without the need for reciprocation right. of like, like that's honest. I think that's probably why the, the best sponsors in AA are the ones that, you know what I mean? I mean, they're there as a, as a, an encouragement to say, Hey, come on, you got to get crap together. Right. When you mess up, but also they, they don't disown them. They don't like look down upon them and, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and, and another thing, just as you know, you're sharing, I was like, you know, you're talking about like, I was filling up, you know, I was filling, filling that void with the nice car, the nice yeah. house. It's just, it's sad. Because it's like, those are just the socially acceptable things that we choose to deal with our problem, mm -hmm. right? The emptiness and like, I want to be a success, right? And it sucks that we look down or society looks down <clears throat> on the ones that are filling that need, not necessarily with the nice car, the nice house, the nice, you know, spouse, um, but with drugs or alcohol mm -hmm. and, you know, realizing that, hey, we, we actually share a whole lot more in common, you know, than we would like to maybe think or admit to right and you know it just as you were sharing that i'm like man that's yeah, like that's just the socially acceptable mm -hmm. version of filling that void absolutely you know so. and as people are filling that void with you know those outside material things like you just said it's it's not a whole lot different than you know this the person struggling with a substance use disorder or whatever right they're filling mm -hmm. that void with alcohol and drugs mm -hmm. which unfortunately expedites like the brain chemistry and, and all the changes in the brain. So it takes them to a, a rock bottom a lot faster mm -hmm. than it would somebody who's yeah. going out and upgrading their TV every two weeks or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And on the other side of that, it's a lot harder to get out of that hole once you get in that hole, right? Because of all the science behind addiction and the brain chemistry changes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. But they all impact and they all have the same effects on the same brain functioning, like the dopamine release and stuff yeah. like that. Right. So, I yeah. mean, people are getting, 
those highs from different ways, but it's it's so unfortunate, like you just said, those are the socially acceptable. That's where our, our society has got to today. Mm-hmm. Is it's okay to go and finance your house for the third time and and you know, just to get a, a BMW yeah. or something, right? Yeah. And look like you got your shit together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's where I lived for so long, right? We paint that really nice picture for yeah. society to look at and then we hang it on a rotten nail and eventually that nail snaps off. Yeah. And that's where that's where I ended up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a f- well, I don't want to say a funny God story, but you know what? When I was in the hospital, <laughs> I've told this story. I don't think I've ever told it on the podcast. You know, I, I was still struggling with the concept of God, but we've talked about this lots where in those darkest moments, we, we will pray at times, right? And for me, it was in the hospital after I tried to take my life. I was in the ICU. I was in the psych. Well, this is prior to my admittance into the psych ward for a while. I'm in the hospital bed and this is, I don't even know, the fog is still thick. I have no idea what is happening. I just know I haven't had any visitors and I'm sharing a room with this old timer. He's got to be in his seventies or eighties, right? And, and he's on his way out and there's a curtain between us. So I've never, I never put a face to this guy, <clears throat> but I'm laying in bed that second night I'm in the hospital and I'm praying to God that I don't wake up the next morning. I want this all to be over. Right. And, and that old timer is about two or three in the morning and I hear he's hitting the call switch rapidly like he's video gaming and then i just hear him unloading his pants and i'm like oh my goodness the nurses come in there's this big chaotic event for an hour right they clean up this old guy i go to sleep that night i wake up the next morning completely upset that i'm alive still and then it hits me i'm like god didn't take that guy last night surely he's not ready to take you you know you have a chance to get your shit together here mm-hmm. and it was one of those moments where i just started to because i'd already been to treatment once before I had exposure to the 12 steps and that was just that little bit of willingness piece was okay now I got to be willing to do something different and that was a big moment for me in that hospital in the moment I thought this is crazy what is going on in this room but now I look back and I think that was maybe a sign maybe I needed that sign right you prayed to God for death it did not come mm. and you got a second chance where this poor old bugger that's across from behind that curtain, he probably doesn't have a second chance and he's probably praying to God to live. Yeah. And I'm on the other side of the curtain praying to God to die. Wow. And it was a wild moment now that I look back. That's crazy. <laughs> so if that fella's still out there, sorry, <laughs> I, I won't break your anonymity. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's good. That's good. You know, Rick is, uh, you were sharing earlier and I just was thinking like um, the importance of, you know, I think this is even before the podcast started, but the importance of community, the importance of people around you, right? And, you know, and I know, you know, in in my life, I mean, about two years ago or two and a half years ago, um, I hit like, you know, rock bottom in my ministry. I mean, you know, we had, again, because of my closed hand mentality and just, you know, poor leadership and whatnot, we had, you know, lost a few people from the church, right? And uh, and uh, personally, as a pastor, I mean, you take that pretty hard, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like uh, like a business, you know, where you lose a client and it's like, well, that's okay, we'll fill it with a, you know, a new client. It's like, those are like friendships. Those are like relationships, you know? And, and I think, uh, I don't know what the stat is or whatever, but um, I've heard it said before that the average adult will lose, I think it's like uh, six close relationships in their lifetime. Like, like lose, I mean, in terms of like, it's the, the, it's, relationship is severed you know and it's just messy and whatnot but as a pastor you lose an average of uh of six every five years right and i was like oh man what did i sign up for right Mm -hmm. but at any rate you know we had just kind of come out of like you know um 
like, uh, you know, just some relationships, you know, kind of got severed and whatnot. And, and it was, it was hard, right. On me and my wife. And so that was for me, that was kind of the beginning, I guess, of my anxiety, stress and depression. And, you know, and, and, uh, I just, I remember I was sitting with my, my leadership team, uh, for lack of a better term, a church board. Right. Uh, and, uh, and I just remember sitting there saying like, guys, I'm, I'm done. Like I can't, I can't carry on. I, you know, I did not sign up for the hurts mm-hmm. and the loneliness and, you know, that we're feeling and, and, uh, and whatnot. And I remember the, the board's response in that moment was kind of exactly what you're talking about. Like the importance of community around you is because, you know, I mean, in that sense, I honestly, I was kind of fully expecting like, okay, Dave, no, you are the guy. You and your wife are called. Going to go back to that, right? You're called to be in this place. Let's, you know, put our big boy pants on and we'll get through this together, right? And uh, but their willingness to say, "What do you need? What like?" And I said, "I I don't know. I just know that I can't continue on in this place." And they said, "Well, we're going to give you a break." And you know, and they decided, you know, to give us an entire month off and pay us for that month wow. and support us. And then literally I remember that was kind of that first key moment of like, I'm not alone. Mm. Like I'm, I have people that are like with us and that care about us and, you know, and I'm not trying to make this, you know, sound like, you know, like, Hey listeners, you need people like, you know, it's gotta be natural. You can't mm-hmm. like fabricate that. Right. But, um, and then I remember the Sunday before we went on that break and, uh, you know, I, I like preached, I don't even remember what I preached on or whatever. Actually, I think it was like on finishing strong, right. And amidst my emptiness, I was <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like, let's go, you know, but, uh, I remember my whole board came up on the stage and, uh, they basically told the church, Hey, I mean, nobody knew that we were going to start starting next Sunday that we were gone for the next five weeks. Right. They got up and they basically just were honest. They didn't like, you know, like sugarcoat anything. They said, Dave and shy, they're like at the point of whether you want to call it exhaustion. I mean, you know, I can't remember if they use the word like depressed or mm-hmm. depression. And I mean, I started seeing a psychologist and, you know, and actually like step four, like kind of dealing with my, my yeah. stuff or whatever. But I remember they stood up and they uh, said, let's love on them. And uh, they took up an offering wow. for us. And, and I don't want to make, it's not about the money, yeah. but you know what, in that moment, seeing the church respond to that was kind of the second, like just stamp of like, you are not alone, Yeah, you know? And, uh, and regardless of whatever the amount of dollars were that was raised <clears throat> that day, it was just, it was like indicative for us to really understand that like in that moment, we're not alone. And, sure. and, you know, people ask me like, what was that month like? Was it super refreshing? And we had a blast. Don't get me wrong. We took the kids to Disneyland and, you know, it's been some time with family down in California. But honestly, for me, the most, I guess, like healing moments in that whole thing was that day with the board where I found out I wasn't alone. Yeah. And that moment on Sunday where it was stamped again, that you're not alone, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't know why I share that, like other than just to, I guess, hammer home the importance of, you know, and I love, that's like the name collective, right? Yeah. Our collective journey, right? Is getting people to understand that, you know, regardless of whatever circumstance you're in, that there is potential, because right? again, like you say, it's got to be, or no, you said this earlier, right? Like 
it's got to be someone's decision mm-hmm. to actually like you know dive into community but at the same time there is such a power i think brene brown right power of vulnerability absolutely the power you know of me being able to say guys i'm empty like i have got absolute like i'm i'm working on credit here do you know what i mean like i've got nothing nothing left not, not even fumes you know but uh just the importance of you know understanding that you know i think you said this we're not we're not designed to live life alone Right. And I would reify, like, even if you want to, whether you believe in scripture or not, right. It says God created man. Right. And then he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, sure. He was talking about Eve, but at the same time, you can see right from creation, whether you believe in that or not, right from the onset of that, you can see that oh, we're, we're actually, we're actually not designed. It's not just a, a myth. It's yeah. not, it's, we are designed to be in community with one another, right? Absolutely. And, you know, and so anyhow, just for me, that was like, I guess kind of maybe my, you know, going back to like the epiphany, kind yeah. of that epiphany moment of like, oh, I'm really, I'm really not alone. You mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. That's amazing. <clears throat> that whole community piece is, you know, when I first moved here in 2015, this is where, this is the first place I found recovery was Medicine Hat. Um, I dove into 12-step group here. So instantly, I had community. And I had like-minded people around me. And then I gravitated towards certain individuals in that community. And now those are some of my best friends in this community. <clears throat> we talk about changing people, places, and things in order to you know, have the best chance at a successful recovery. You, almost, you can't go back to the scene of the crime or else odds are it's going to repeat itself. Mm-hmm. So through the steps and through all these things, right? we change behavior, we change environment we change community and i can't stress enough in my journey how all those little communities i've put together in this bigger community there this collective of medicine hat you know i now go to a gym and you know the gym that i go to now as opposed to the gyms i used to go to this is where you know they've stepped up and collaborated with us they believe firmly in what we do and their concept of their gym is community it's not just a place to go work out right it's you know, if you have a question, you contact through social media, one of the trainers at night could be 10 o'clock at night and they're getting back to us, right? They're focusing on community, bring your kids, let's, you know, find something for them to do in this community space. Um, What we're doing here at our collective journey, building community, you know, even at, you know, I have a part-time job (laughs) that I got when I was in college, but I've, you know, I've tried to walk away from that job over the last five years a couple of times, but it's not about the money. It's never about the money. It's the community that I have there with the management mm-hmm. team. And it's just like, I don't want to be remove myself from that community right now because it's been such a healthy yeah. piece to my environment for the last five years. And like you said, the offering at the church, it wasn't about the money. It's the same as the collaboration that we have at the with this gym. And I'll put a shameless plug in there. It's for Badlands Training Center, but they said to us, it's not about the money. It's about the collaboration. Like, what can we do next to build community? It's not about, you know, giving you a couple hundred dollars or $500. It's not about that. Money always finds its way back. You know, we, we talked about this. One of my good recovery friends, it says, uh, um, how did he put it now? Let God worry about, oh, I'm going to butcher it. So I'm not even going to go down that path right now. <laughs> but it's, it, it's a concept about not worrying about the money. The money always finds its way back or it finds its way where it needs to be. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's about community and, and healthy living and 
that's all part of it. It's not just flip a switch and now I'm in recovery, right? It's a huge process. It's not a destination or it's a destination. It's not a, it's not Mm -hmm. something that's going to happen today. And that was Mm -hmm. the same as my journey into spirituality. It didn't happen immediately when I, like Rick said, I just had to become willing at the start. Yeah. And it's taken six years, but man, I've never been a more spiritually full place. And we talked about this with a podcast guest just recently. He was five years in recovery, he said, and he hit a brick wall. And uh, he said, you know what? At that time, I thought I'm going to go back out because if this is recovery, I don't want it anymore. Mm. He was so distraught and so disconnected. And and that was when he went and found that spiritual peace for himself. And he's the, the next eight years have just been amazing. He said, so it's that spiritual peace for me is, has been the game changer. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So as we're getting to the end of our hour here, we'll start wrapping her up already. Um, yeah. Already. <laughs> My gosh. Again, I think we end up, you know, every guest that we have, we're like, man, we feel like we are just getting into it. Yeah. So like, you know, feel free to, if you ever want to come back and continue this conversation. Oh, doors also open. Yeah, man. absolutely. Um, that said, I think my big takeaway from this is, uh, you know, one of, I think one of the issues I've always had with the church is the infallibility of the church, or at least the church I grew up in. Yeah. And how impressed I am of your humility and, mm-hmm. you know, your, your willingness to go, you know, we're all flawed. Right. 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 Yeah. It's, what are you going to do about it is the, is the piece, right? Are you going to yeah. use that? to relate to people and to be of service to other people, or are you just going to dwell in it or are you going to not even acknowledge it? Right. Right. So, uh, kudos to you for, for maybe at least reframing one person's thoughts of it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. 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 And I think for me, it's just that, um, that open-mindedness and willingness piece. We talk about that in recovery all the time and it goes, it's the same, you know, I give this advice or suggestions to lots of people I work with. It's the same as if you're going to a counselor, you might not connect with that first counselor, be open to trying another one and another one and another mm-hmm. one until you find that connection where you have that piece that you can't replicate with somebody else. And then it's the same as meetings. You know, there's lots of unhealthy 12 step meetings out there and lots of people have the unfortunate opportunity of experiencing them. And then it's turned off from the 12 step. And we suggest keep trying meetings till you find the one that you're comfortable with. And that's how it is with the church with me. Try different churches. If you go to one and, oh my, Atlanta, that's not the one for me. Well, try a different one. Yeah, keep right. trying, right? Because yeah. you never know when you're going to have that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless you close the door, then you'll never have that moment. So yeah. it's pretty cool takeaway. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, you know, I'll be real with my takeaway actually has really nothing to do with this meeting other than just like, I know that we have people in our church mm-hmm. that have gone through 12 step. Uh, that actually personally probably know, well, I know they know you, Rick. I yeah. know, I'm guessing they know you, right? Um, but just seeing seeing the life change in some of these people that I have relationship with, um, it's phenomenal, yeah. right? And, uh, and, and I'm going to be real, a, a big part of that, right, isn't necessarily what they found in the 12th step, it's who they found, mm. right? And I'm not even talking God. I mean, there's an element of that, but it's like the people. You know what I mean, and uh, and I can specifically think of one individual. I'll keep a, keep an, a, him anonymous or whatever. But like, um, how much hope and freedom and and peace and uh, and actually like uh, even freedom from you know addictions, freedom yeah. from the substance abuse. You know, it's uh, it's absolutely astounding. And so, of course, I say thanks for having me on, but I also say like thanks for what you guys are doing because uh, you know. 
freaking make you feel all good like it's making a difference <laughs> it really is oh, you know and uh and so and that's just again that's just my sphere you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's just the people that i'm in relationship with and have friendship with but i mean this guy i'm thinking of, he talks about like his people you know and that's you guys and so way wow. to go way to go well that's awesome thank you for that and you keep up the good work yourself I know uh, I've I've got a pretty good idea who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I know what a mentor or pivotal role you've played in his life as well. Oh, thanks. So, I mean, it's, uh, well, like we said, it takes a village, right? Yeah, Yeah. 100%. It's nice to meet you. Thanks. It's our share. Yeah, so with that, that uh, that does another episode. Thanks for listening. And uh, the end. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Contact Our Collective Journey on Facebook at Our Collective Journey or on the web at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hosted by Poncho Parker. Produced by Rob Pate. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Check out this and our other great podcasts at pymedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.